This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. Just a reminder, Twitter, Facebook, EquippingEve.com. You can find me all of those places or EquippingEve at gmail.com. If you have a question, comment, or complaint, or uh, compliment. Question, comment, complaint, compliment. There we go. Let's have lots of those those last ones there. Just kidding. I'll take all your feedback. So anyway, ladies, turn to Luke chapter 8 for today. Let's turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 26. As a reminder, ladies, I am reading from the ESV. I recently switched from the NASB to the ESV. If you want to know why, send me an email. There you go. All right, Luke 8, verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. There's a picture. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Verse 30. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed, Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. There's a lot I love about this story uh, and a lot of things to look at. There's so much in here and um, we could spend a couple of hours on it, but don't worry, we're not going to do that. But what I want to focus on here today, ladies, is really toward the end of that story. At the end of that story, we see verse 39, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. That's the command Jesus gives this man. And the man went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. That's kind of a striking thought, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Jesus has done great things for each one of us, hasn't he? 
I mean, he most likely hasn't cast out demons from your body. We live in a different time now, but he's done great and wonderful and magnificent things. He's saved you if you're a Christian. He's provided for you. He's he's given each one of us every single breath. He gives us the next day, you know, saved or unsaved. Those are common graces to all men and women. He's purchased salvation. He has promised us eternal life. He has promised to care for our practical needs. I mean, this is a great and mighty and majestic Savior. And I just wonder sometimes, do we react the way this man did? And, and of course, his deliverance was so immense that of course he's going to go around telling people. So I had a legion of demons in me and look at me now. I used to live among the tombs and run around naked. Check me out. I'm wearing clothes. But just because we don't have something as dramatic as a deliverance from a legion of demons doesn't mean that we should not be telling people about the wonderful things Jesus has done and not just what he's done for us, which is actually a helpful thing to talk about. But ultimately, what Jesus has done in purchasing salvation at the cross. And it just was a little convicting when I went back and I looked at the story and I thought, you know, do I do this? Am I doing this with people I meet day to day? Am I telling them how much Jesus has done for me? And not with the focus on my story, but with the focus on Jesus. Am I doing this on social media and elevating Christ and you know, not putting out a tweet with a hashtag blast, like, oh, look at this awesome new car Jesus got me, hashtag blast. I don't have a new car, by the way. But but genuinely proclaiming Christ and the, the wonder of his mercies and what he does for us day to day. You know, are we doing this? I mean, think of the Samaritan woman and what Jesus did for her and how he revealed himself to her at the well. And she ran back into town and said, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? That was the first thing she wanted to do. And I think so many of us, when we're first saved, we have that zeal. And then as the years wear on, it kind of goes away. And I don't know what that's about other than the fact that we're fallen and we're human and we're lazy. But stories like this, I don't know about you, but they just remind me, you know, return to your home, declare how much God has done for you. And so often we do hear uh, folks who want us to downplay our personal story. You know, the gospel is not about you. And I agree 100%. The gospel is not about us. The gospel is about Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. But when you can relate to people on that personal level and say, hey, this is, this is how it changed my life, but this is why it changed my life, because this is who Jesus is and this is what he's done. You know, that's not a bad thing especially people who maybe knew you before you were saved or people who are in similar circumstances that you've been in in the past. You know, God lets us go through things for a reason. Now, I'm not asking us to add this to a, a list of things we need to do as Christians, as a list of works. That's not it. But if we're Christians, we want to share Christ, right? And we want to share the amazing things he's done for us, even if it's just... We don't have to announce things on social media, but do you have a good friend that you can share praises with? Not as a means of, hey, my life's going so awesome. Guess what happened? But hey, God answered this prayer. Here's how he answered it. This thing that you were praying for me about, this is how he answered it. Praise God. You know, that's really cool. I love it. 
when friends come to me and say, hey, I have a praise. This is what God's doing. It's awesome. It's awesome because then I get to go back and praise God for doing that in someone else's life. And when you think about it, we are so quick to complain about what we think isn't going right. You know, what we think isn't going well, this isn't going my way, and this is completely wrong. And we're happy to complain about that to other people. And um, I'm looking at myself as, as the chief of complainers. But are we as quick to share those praises? Are we as quick to give God glory as we are to complain about the things that we don't like? And I'm going to go to social media one more time, and I apologize, but it consumes a lot of our lives at this point in time. It shouldn't, but it does. And years ago, I was one of these people, these people who spend time on social media just pawing at other people, just destroying and tearing down other Christians just generally beating other people down and they're doing it in the name of Christ or even non-Christians. And it's just the most terrible witness for Christ ever. Why is that person ever going to want to listen to us and hear the gospel from us when we're just mean, nasty people? It's so ridiculous. Why are we not going away and proclaiming how much Jesus has done for us? Instead, we're just being witty and snarky and mean and shrewish on social media. Yeah, I use that word. We're shrewish. That's really hard to say too, by the way. But how does this show Christ to the world? Because make no mistake, ladies, the world is watching, whether it's in the grocery store, at your kid's football game, uh, you know, I suppose the world isn't watching in church so much, but on social media, the world is watching and it loves, loves, loves when we are devouring each other instead because it just discredits us. It discredits our claims of Christ. So we need to be presenting Christ well. That is something we do need to do, present Christ well, because of who he is and what he's done. And I think this story, and like I said, the story of the Samaritan woman, it reminds us of what that looks like, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. And if you look, ladies, at uh, the parallel account of this in Mark 5. You'll see, um, you'll see in Mark chapter 5, verse 20, and he, the man, went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Now, hang on to that. He proclaimed in the Decapolis. Now, if you turn over a page or two to Mark chapter 7, verse 31, Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And there they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. I mean, remember how these people reacted when Jesus healed the demon-possessed man? They were afraid, right? They, they begged him to leave. And now two chapters later, they're bringing people to him to heal Gee, I wonder if that demon-possessed man and his witness and his testimony had anything to do with that, bringing other people to Christ. Something to think about. Makes me think, so I hope it makes you think as well, ladies. Okay, so my um, endorsement for today is the book The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. 
Um, this is not a legalistic book by any means, which is why I heartily recommend it. If you've read anything by Jerry Bridges, you know how incredibly accessible and easy to read he is, but you're also learning. Um, and if you're me, you're you know making little notes or underlining things and saying, oh, you know, I love this. Yes. And no, that's... That's how I always wanted to say it, but couldn't. Um, so he does a great job of explaining to us what holiness looks like in the Christian life um, while not erring on the side of legalism. So he does a great job of that. Um, that's Cherry Bridges, The Pursuit of Holiness. And just as a parting thought, ladies, you know, when was the last time that we told someone of the great things that Jesus has done for us? When was the last time? And if you're having trouble thinking of it, maybe it's time to make a new memory of that. He went away and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. Let the same be said of us. All right, ladies, until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening. (music) 